0: Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Aaron.
1: Let's go. Where are we going? We're going again to New York City. It's like it's the city that never sleeps. It's like it, it's like it's the city of show business or something. It's like my pick this week ishtar, the director's cut. Ishtar. Give us the particulars. All right.
0: We have Ishtar. Released May 15th, 1987. Directed by Elaine May, who you know from last week. She directed A New Leaf, Heartbreak Kid, Mickey and Nikki. It was written by Elaine May. She also wrote The Birdcage, Heaven Can Wait, A New Leaf, Reds. She worked on Tootsie, Primary Colors. Produced by Warren Beatty. The music by Bajawa. There, okay. was, there was nothing on him in Wikipedia. Yeah, David Grusin, who also, listen to this guy, what this guy worked on. The Graduate, Winning, Three Days of the Condor, Murder by Death, The Goodbye Girl, Heaven Can Wait, Reds, Tootsie on Golden Pond, The Fabulous Baker Boys, and The Firm. Wow, the music in the firm is fantastic. It was unlike anything I had ever heard of at the time. It was all, remember, it was all piano based and stuff. I don't
1: remember that.
0: I do. Well, I guess we'll have to do the firm sometime. Interesting. Also, Paul Williams he worked on the songs in this. He also wrote Three Dog Nights, just an old fashioned love song. And he was a
1: strange looking little man,
0: Paul Williams. Mm -hmm. Oh, I never saw his picture. He used to be on the Mike Douglas show a lot. Oh, interesting. I'll have to Google him. He also wrote Helen Reddy's You and Me Against the World. Do you know that one? I felt like you know. You and me
1: against the world. I
0: knew it.
1: Sometimes it feels like you and me against the world. Well,
0: he wrote that. I I have no idea who Helen Reddy is, but I'm like, Ma will know. (laughs) um i do i do indeed the carpenters we've only just begun he also wrote the rainbow connection from the muppets he also wrote evergreen from a star is born barbara streisand edition i thought babs
1: wrote that
0: evergreen Uh well more than one person can write a song Um, And he also wrote the theme song for The Love Boat.
1: Soon we'll be making another star. Yeah, so this guy knows his way around some music.
0: The director of photography is Vittorio Storaro. He's a famous Italian cinematographer. He also shot The Conformist, Apocalypse Now, The Last Emperor, and Last Tango in Paris. Mm. Um, it was edited by Richard P. I, I I like when I'm writing these things down, like I don't realize I'm going to have to say them out loud. Richard P. Cicerino might not even be anywhere near how that's pronounced. William H. Reynolds, who also edited The Sound of Music, The Godfather, The Sting in Heaven's Gate
1: wow and
0: Stephen a rotter who also was on the team that edited the right stuff and he did dirty rotten scoundrels my blue heaven the preacher's wife what women want and enchanted just to name a few this guy edited a lot of stuff wow it stars dustin hoffman as chuck clark we know dustin hoffman from movies that we've already done like the graduate and all the president's men yes he was also in Kramer versus kramer so, this is why he did up. This is like, this is where Ishtar fits in. So, he did Kramer versus Kramer, Tootsie. Then he did Ishtar. So, the movie before he did Ishtar was Tootsie. Then he did Ishtar. And then the movie that he did after Ishtar was Rain Man. So, mm-hmm. not a bad little run there. Yeah. And Warren Beatty, he played Lyle Rogers. He was in Splendor in the Grass. Gra- Splendor in the Grass. Bonnie and Clyde. Shampoo. Heaven Can Wait. Reds. Then he did Ishtar. Then he did Dick Tracy and Bugsy. And on and on. Uh-huh. Um, Isabelle Adjani. She played Shira Assel. She is one of the most acclaimed actresses of all time in France. She's won. really she's won five Caesar Awards and the Caesar Awards are the National Film Award of France. She was married to Daniel De lewis from 1989 to 1995. And the wow. five movies that she's won the award for is Possession, One Deadly Summer, Camille, Candel, La Renee, Margot and Skirt Day. So I was like, what? She is? Yeah, she's the only woman. I think she's the only actress to ever win five of these Caesar
1: Awards. Really? Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Charles Grodin played Jim Harrison, CIA agent. We saw him in Rosemary's Baby. He was also in The Heartbreak Kid, Catch-22, Heaven Can Wait, Dave Beethoven, Midnight Run. We have Jack Weston. He was in A New Leaf. He played Marty Freed. He was also in The tim- Imitation of Life. And we ran down his particulars in A N- New Leaf. So you can listen to those. Correct. We have Tess Harper as Willa. She was in Tender Mercies, Crimes of the Heart, Flashpoint, No Country for Old Men. She was also in Breaking Bad the first couple of seasons. And we have Carol Kane. She was in Annie Hall, Taxi, The Princess Bride, Scrooge. And, most recently, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt.
1: Kimmy Schmidt.
0: hmm There are the particulars.
1: Well done. Well, it opens with um, two songwriters, well, two men trying to write songs together. <laughs> and they're writing a song about telling the truth. And they got one line down, Dangerous business It. Oh, oh no, they, they, uh, they wrote the song Dangerous Business. And they said it was as good as Bridge Over Troubled Water.
0: Oh, I'm in. Were- I'm already in. This movie has got me. No one knows what they're talking about. Are you kidding me with this opening? They write this song called Dangerous Business. And then the next thing, they're standing outside of a record store. And there's all these pictures of Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits and Bruce Springsteen. And all these bands that are big, and they're like, I'm telling you, what is a dangerous business? Is it dangerous? It's it's better than a bridge over troubled water, That's and right. he
1: means it. It's That's
0: hilarious.
1: Right. All we need is an agent. Um, so they go looking for an agent, and there is a place in New York City called the Song Mart where they try out new talent, and it's audition night. And so they go to audition for this agent, but they they say they're not singers, because they aren't. They're songwriters, but as you know, songwriters aren't always good uh, vocalists.
0: Yeah, I like mean, that they that. write the songs, and then they give it to somebody right. who's, like, that's their deal, is that they're a great vocalist.
1: And it was nineteen eighty seven, so they had these headbands that just cannot be explained.
0: I love them.
1: And their agent
0: says, "Well, and they're old. Like they're not they're not these young kids and stuff getting up here. <laughs> these guys are visibly on, uh, like uh, approaching forty, if not already."
1: Yeah. Yeah. And truth be told, you, you didn't see anybody else with the headband still rocking the headbands. The headbands had gone out. It's 87. Um, they have a really good uh, rapport, the two of them together. It's great. It is. It's, it's, it's hysterical. And the, the sight of the audience. <laughs> Their <laughs> the mouths audience. are open. They're sitting there in disbelief that this is really happening. Because these guys are serious.
0: <laughs> it's not like they're not <laughs> just joking around and stuff. This is them trying their hardest. And the
1: and the agent says, you know, uh, it's it's a good idea to change the routine if the audience boos. <laughs> just so you know. So the audience says, "However, I have a gig for you. I got work for you. You can go to Honduras, to the only hotel in Honduras where Americans stay, and you can do, you can do that gig. Uh, and they're a little worried. Honduras sounds a little, um, a little iffy, unsafe. Or you can go to Morocco. And um, but let me know because a lot of acts would kill." for this booking in North Africa. So they're kind of dejected and they go to a bar, but um Dustin Hoffman's character, Chuck, won't let Lyle sit close to him.
0: Well, because when they, he said that he wanted to go think about it and he just wanted to walk around the city by himself. And so he goes into a bar and... Uh, Warren Beatty's character goes in after him and he says I wanted to to just be by myself and Warren Beatty says but there's no other it's the only bar that's open in the neighborhood right now He says don't worry i'm just gonna go sit over here in the corner leave you alone so dustin hoffman goes he sits at the other side of the corner he orders a bourbon you hear on the other side warren beatty's character saying that he'll have the same and then dustin hoffman's character tells the bartender no he if he has bourbon he's gonna fall on his face give him a beer and warren beatty's character says i'll have a beer (laughs) and so (laughs) <laughs> the whole purpose was that he wanted to be by himself, but yet they're just like, they just, they're, they just, they're, they have a bond together. And then there's a flashback and you see where the bond was forged.
1: Exactly. Now, uh, Elaine May said she wanted to do a, a Bob Hope, Bing Crosby um, movie that they used to do. They used to travel to different places and have.
0: There were Road 2 movies. They yeah. Like the Road 2
1: Exactly. And so that was what she was looking at doing this movie. And what was brilliant was that in the casting, she has Dustin Hoffman's character being the stud (laughs) and Warren Beatty's character being the person who cannot get a girl.
0: Which is pretty hilarious because Warren Beatty was, what, the most famous playboy?
1: I, I believe he betted everybody in Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. So they're showing in the, um, in what is it called when they step back in time? A flashback. In the flashback, Lyle drives an ice cream truck. An ice cream truck with, that sells ice cream to kids in the street. Mm-hmm. So that's a hard profession to give up. And as he's driving, he (laughs) is making up songs about the ice cream and sprinkles. He's Mm -hmm. married. Mm -hmm. He has a wife. And then Chuck is like a brunch singer. He's the live entertainment at a brunch in a restaurant.
0: Like, it reminded me of the Mustache Cafe, except the guy at the Mustache Cafe was really good.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) He had the tip jar and everything. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that there was a couple who had come in for their 51st anniversary. And he's saying
0: it because he's behind the piano. And so he's saying it like they say, you know, like he's telling a story, basically. This couple came in, and he's doing the chords underneath. And and they said that if they came back on their 53rd anniversary, he's doing the chords, that I would have a song written for them.
1: And gosh darn if he didn't. (laughs) The song was about, I'm leaving some love in my will, because it's about one of them dying. (laughs) it's gonna happen soon
0: it's so funny it's so bad it is such a bad song and the couple is looking at him horrified because at first they think it starts it starts pretty schmaltzy and then it hits the chorus i'm leaving you some love in my will and they're aghast oh good times
1: and, and the whole premise is they're really bad they're songwriters. You just have to know that in. you are in on the joke. Well, they are even,
0: songwriters. even if you are in on the joke, the songs are so good at being so bad <laughs> that you realize, oh my gosh, they're really bad.
1: Well, it just so happens Lyle and his wife are at this brunch. <laughs> And he sends a note over to Chuck saying, you are a brilliant songwriter. I am a songwriter. Let's team up. So they spend several hours after brunch is over writing songs at this piano.
0: Song after song. Just the two of them bouncing horrible ideas after horrible ideas
1: off each other. so it ends up that uh lyle and chuck are always together so lyle's wife leaves him Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and and, um and he is a mess i mean he is just a crying snotting mess and then (laughs) uh chuck is telling him, where you can date and lyle warren Beatty says to dustin Hoffman if I, if I just looked like you, I could, which is hysterical. (laughs) Uh, And then Carol leaves Chuck. So, so now Chuck is a a mess. He's out on a ledge. He's going to jump. So he calls Lyle. Now they only had landlines. So he's out on a ledge with his telephone, with his long-ass cord <laughs> on the ledge. So so Lyle comes. And he tells, and-
0: he tells Lyle not to call the authorities because it'll ruin their music career. They'll be outcast in show business.
1: If you're going to jump, you don't care about your music career.
0: Well, obviously <laughs> it was a, just a cry for help.
1: Uh, uh, so finally uh lyle says to him it takes a lot of nerve to have nothing (laughs) at your age and you seem really comfortable with it go with that
0: because he said that he he said you i was living with my parents because his parents show up and he was living with his parents until he was in his 30s and uh, lyle just says takes a lot of courage to what was it why you just said it oh i was laughing so hard it takes
1: a lot of courage to have nothing (laughs) at your age you know what they should have done they should have had his parents from the graduate be his parents that would have been funny oh that would have been funny okay well they go to morocco yep they got a gig they're gonna go to morocco well, you see, archaeologists working in Morocco, and and one archaeologist finds this map on a piece of fabric.
0: Yeah, it's the MacGuffin. I didn't even. I don't even know what this map is.
1: Well, the map says something about um, that there's going to be a holy war, and that there are two messengers from outside that are going to come in. Um, refugees if you will and they're gonna save the world
0: that doesn't that, sound like a map that sounds like a that was, made up uh,
1: gobbledygook <laughs> right but if this map got into the wrong hands it could start a holy war at which point war erupts wow. right there because bad people want to come and get the map they've heard of the map So Omar is an archaeologist. He has the map, and he has hidden it, and he dies, and he says no one will find it except the two messengers. Well, our two schmucks, or smucks, as it were, (laughs) arrive in Ishtar.
0: Which is a nerd alert. Ishtar is a fictional city
1: that neighbors Morocco. And that's a good thing. You didn't want this to be a real city. Well, in the airport, what did your father always tell you, Erin, in the airport? Um, Let's see. Let's
0: go through the encyclopedia. Basically, I don't remember the specifics. I know to just stand still with my hands at my sides, my head up, my eyes, and being aware of surroundings. And not to take anything from anyone ever.
1: Don't talk to anyone. Don't talk
0: to anyone. Nothing.
1: Do not accept any anything.
0: Don't luggage kick anything. from someone else. Don't touch anything. Don't hold yeah. anything from anyone. So hence my, I'm just going to not say a word, hands in my pockets if I have them, and touching nothing.
1: And, and always yelling at your brother to stop touching stuff. Because he was what, what touching everything.
0: And the, the, the man just finished a 15-minute soliloquy <laughs> on not on running through everything not
1: to do. And stay away from the ill al counter. Okay, well, Dustin Hoffman didn't have your puppy. So a woman comes up. Well, they think it's a, a young man, but uh, it's a woman. She comes up to talk to Chuck, and she needs his passport and she needs his luggage
0: yeah no 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 no
1: and don't tell anybody about this because um it's uh, otherwise i'm going to be killed i'll be executed well um as they arrive in ishtar there is a military curfew the country is on the brink of civil war so no planes are are flying so um the guys are supposed to be going to marrakesh for their gig. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, Dustin gives her his jacket. They trade jackets and gives her his passport. And so he can't go. He can't go on to Marrakesh until he's been to the American consulate and gotten a new passport.
0: Which the lady says to him, Oh, your embassy will get you one in a few hours and i was thinking it's 1987 did they was it really only a few hours that seemed like that like you were just gonna be stuck there but i don't know maybe it was 1987 north african rules
1: i would think that that wouldn't be quite that easy but yeah um so so he sends lyle on to marrakesh because they have a gig And Lyle goes, I can't do it without you. And he says, just sing Simon and Garfunkel songs. You know, it's going to be okay. So Chuck meets another American comes up and goes, an American? Wow, so nice to meet you. And it's Charles Grogan, so you know it's Grogan. Well, he is CIA. And he is telling Chuck that the communists want to take over Ishtar. So keep your eyes and ears open because there are people out there who want to dupe stupid people into becoming an agent for the people's movement. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, if you become an agent for us, we'll pay you $150 a week.
0: He was like, excuse me, how much?
1: Because they have no money. Well, in Morocco, there is a, um, a billboard, a sign saying... Rogers and Clark with the Clark X'd out in magic marker. Cause it's just Rogers. Cause Clark hasn't gotten there. And um, so he is trying to sing. Um, he's, he's trying to sing Simon and Garfunkel songs, but he made the mistake of telling the audience, you know, tell me what Simon and Garfunkel songs you want. Well, they were yelling out all of their, 50s oldies but goodies Mm -hmm. that they wanted they didn't want simon and garfunkel that's amore and so clark arrives to sing that's amore and they were a huge success singing all the oldies Mm -hmm.
0: badly these guys cannot
1: sing they can't sing they have no showmanship but this crowd It doesn't take a lot Mm -hmm. to entertain.
0: Not much around as far as entertainment, apparently.
1: Well, in Morocco, um, Chuck is telling Lyle, you know, you're tired. You go to sleep. Uh, I'm I'm running off this adrenaline. I'm just going to drive around for a little bit. So as Lyle is sleeping, the girl comes in the room to take the suitcase back. And Lila costs her and it's a whole bit about her being a young boy, but she's not a young boy, and she's – anyway.
0: Ooh, nerd alert. Though the Isabella Ajani, she was Warren Beatty's girlfriend at the time.
1: You know, most movies with Warren Beatty in him, you can go whoever his female lead is his was his girlfriend, girlfriend at, at the time. time.
0: Yes, true.
1: Yeah. Um, so she is telling Lyle that Chuck is a CIA agent and Lyle's not believing it. Well, and then, um, the CIA agent is telling Chuck that Lyle is now a left-wing agent. So they are not trusting each other. And, um, there is uh, antics ensue. There's a huge chase through the Marrakesh market. Marrakesh market was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CIA agent meets with the Emir of Ishtar, and they've decided that the, that the two Americans just have to die. It doesn't matter whose side you're on, whatever. Those two dudes have to die. Mm-hmm. Well, it, this has been an hour into the film. And so knowing Elaine May, there's there is a lot of slapstick that happens. Comedy ensues. Comedy ensues funny lines, funny facial expressions. Yeah,
0: if you, like, if you like if you like, what'd you say?
1: They don't die.
0: Yeah, if you like Warren Beatty and if you like Dustin Hoffman, you're gonna like this movie. And you just like and, fun, it was just a fun 80s buddy
1: pick. They really bounce off each other well. Yes. Um, and it looked to me, now I'm not making a disclaimer here because I didn't see this written anywhere. I just felt like maybe they um, were partaking a bit in the... Um, in the uh, 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 extra curricular activities that might have been available in Morocco at the time. A lot of times their eyes were kind of, their eyelids were kind of heavy. They had to have been high on life or something. Ah, I don't know. They seem to be having a really good time together. They
0: seem to be having a time together. Although this has a notoriously troubled production.
1: Notoriously troubled. We'll get to that in nerd alerts or tasty nuggets. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say to the, about the movie before we move to the POC count?
0: No, I'll say that I enjoyed the movie, especially the beginning of it. I laughed a whole bunch Especially after watching last week's A New Leaf. There's so many great lines in this. Yes. I am a sucker. I love uh, characters who have irrational self confidence and think they are really good when in actuality. Simon and
1: Garfunkel. Yes,
0: when in actuality they are horrible. That's so why I'm oh I'm a sucker when Will Farrell plays those characters. Yes. I just love it when the guy these guys they just have so because how how everyone is so critical and at least like a, like myself very critic very super critical about what you do and even if you do something you can like it but then there's always a part of you that doesn't like it because you did it. So it's, it's not
1: good enough yeah
0: exactly it's not good enough and so when there's these two guys who are just no we are and they believe it so much but they are yet so bad i love it it tickles me i think it's hilarious
1: especially when it's two really renowned people you know people yes. who not only were really renowned at at this point in their career but they knew that they were renowned
0: yes this isn't this isn't young scrappy dustin hoffman in the graduate this is dustin hoffman's been in the graduate he's been in all the president's men he's done the like marathon man he's been to the awards he's dustin freaking hoffman at this point and he knows it
1: and he, he has a huge ego and uh as i said warren Beatty has betted every woman in hollywood and he has a huge ego, so a, for them yeah. to let that go and be these really self-inflated, very little talent people with this humor, it was it was fun.
0: Mm-hmm. And they were characters. I really felt like I got to know the characters it wasn't and it was weird and they're going against type but yet yes. i i fell into it and i believed it and it was just weird to me because watching it i wondered how come i never saw this movie as a kid i pro i don't know what i have really liked it it had all of the feelings of to me of those movies from the 80s like jumping jack flash
1: yeah and the slapstick yeah because we we had heard that it was such a horrible movie before it even came out we didn't bother with it yeah it's very
0: very interesting
1: and nerd alert it can't be found on dvd wow they said they only made it in blu-ray because <laughs> there was not a demand <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. okay do we have a poc
0: um i did so there were three black female singers when they were doing a montage of the bands and stuff
1: um which was hysterical and
0: that was great because they were supposed to be the pointer sisters and stuff and they had all these different bands and you could kind of point to the genres that they were supposed to be and then after that and then it moved to ishtar morocco it was Like everyone was a POC, but you know, they weren't exactly not too many doctors, lawyers, anything like that. It was, um, it was, I was, you know, what surprised me and I don't know enough about that culture and that area. And also Ishtar is a made up place. So that's also difficult, but it did take place in Morocco. They were sometimes in Morocco and how much it looked like um, the man who knew too much mm-hmm. when they went there. And how oh, there was something else that it reminded me of. and But it was a really old, maybe it just was the man who knew too much. Or just the generic, um, so the 80s, like the generic Indiana Jones kind of. Mm-hmm. Arabian. And they at one point they have this guy who's a teenager and I'm like, he looks like Aladdin.
1: Yeah, he (laughs) did look like Aladdin.
0: I wonder if a Disney animator that happened to have seen Ishtar and just said that's Aladdin and kind of drew it like that. So, I don't know. And I don't know enough about the culture to say oh, this is all completely made up or no, this actually is how it is and all of that kind of thing, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was hard to do a people of color count because of the people, uh, the native people of North Africa. Right. There were there were several of them, mm-hmm.
0: but it wasn't as though they they were depicted. I mean, their depiction is sort is that of you know, basically the see the, based the the places in turmoil there are these leftists who are socialist of course guerrillas that are going to overthrow the emir of Ishtar and um the CIA is conducting a, you know they're being the CIA and selling weapons to people and stuff so there's a, a whole bunch of that so i don't really feel as though the whole culture was uh presented in maybe of the most positive and reinforcing light, but it's a, it was a comedy and also, you know, they made up the country. Exactly. So I'm sure it's problematic, but I'm not losing any sleep over it. Yeah. You know, no boycotts over here.
1: Okay. Nothing glaring. There was no white face, black face.
0: Yeah. There was blue face, but blue face is allowed
1: okay nerd alerts i don't have any i gave you mine
0: let's see i put some nerd alerts and i put some in nuggets nerd alerts okay so the studio wanted to shoot in the southwest of the united states
1: and And we do have some desert in the southwest, but it doesn't look like the Sahara. Let me
0: rewind for this nerd alert. How How this movie got made in the first place?
1: Oh, good idea.
0: So Elaine May wrote Heaven Can Wait. And she also did extensive writing and editing help, gave it to Warren Beatty for his film Reds. And after those two movies, Warren Beatty said, this woman... She's a genius, and I feel like she got a really unfair treatment from her past producers, and maybe if I throw my weight and I'm a producer on one of her films, she can do whatever she wants, and she's going to be protected. I want to see what this woman can do, like, given full scope. Because it's Hollywood, and she's a woman, and so having these men tell her what to do. I'm Warren Beatty. I champion women's rights and stuff. I'm going to be I'm going to produce I want to produce her next film I want her to write and direct it and I'm going to protect her and she, anything Elaine wants Elaine gets yes so um Elaine May came up with this idea she's like awesome Warren Beatty. that's why you're my friend how about I've had this idea that I would like to do those remember those road two movies with Bing Crosby and oh what's his face Bob Hope I want to do those. That would be great. We get a co-star. Who do you want to co-star? What if we get Dustin Hoffman? And Dustin Hoffman said, you know, I do feel indebted to Elaine May myself. She did extensive, uncredited rewrites on my hit film Tootsie. Yeah, I'd like to see her. What about these Road 2 movies? Dustin Hoffman says, "Ah, I don't know about this. But... It's Warren Beatty and it's Elaine May. What could go wrong? So the three of them, they're on board. They come up with the script. Charles Grodin, he's a friend. He's been in her movies and stuff. Johnny, she was dating Beatty. So come on in, you're in. They rework the script. They get it to go. Warren Beatty takes it to a studio because they want to be in the Warren Beatty business. So I believe it's at Columbia. So... They're, they're, they're having a go, but the guy that's the head of Columbia or the head of production, the guy that was kind of supposed to oversee it, he was a little hesitant at first because he says, wait a second. Okay. This movie is starring Warren Beatty. He's a perfectionist. It's produced by Warren Beatty, who also is a perfectionist. It is also starring Dustin Hoffman, who is also known as a notorious perfectionist. And it's being written and directed by Elaine May, who has a super big reputation of being a perfectionist. This guy says, I don't know. These are three really big egos involved. But I do want to get in on that Warren Beatty business. So, all right, guys, let's give it a go. So the studio Columbia said, okay, these Morocco scenes... Uh, Why don't you guys go scout and we're going to shoot it in. We have this place in America called the Great American Southwest. Um, (laughs) There's actually a desert there. I'm pretty sure that we can find some place that will fulfill your needs. And then um, at the time, Columbia was owned by Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola goes, oh, wait, you guys have a movie that's set in Morocco? Because here's the thing. We have a whole bunch of money that's tied up right now in Morocco and we can't get it back to the U.S. So how about we do shoot everything in Morocco and that way we can spend this money that we have on this project. And so the studio is like, this sounds like a horrible idea. Sending these three people to Morocco to make this movie, because I don't know if you guys know this. This is the this is the head of this of this production talking to himself because nobody's listening to him. But when we're in the southwest United States, we're still in the United States, and there's people in the United States who know about making films. When we go to Morocco, they don't really know that much about making films right now. It's not their fault. It's just not high on their priorities. So they the p- original plan was for them to do 10 weeks in Morocco and then they were going to shoot the New York scenes. So principal photography started on October 1985. That was a very tense time in real life politically in North Africa. Israel had warplanes that bombed the PLO headquarters in Tunis. A Palestinian group then hijacked a cruise ship. They like ended up killing a people or some people.
1: Yeah, then the, one of them the
0: Yeah, that, of the
1: deck uh, the boat.
0: Yeah, the Moroc the Moroccan military was fighting these uh group of guerrillas themselves. There were rumors that Palestinian terrorists were gonna kidnap Dustin Hoffman. So they were, they had, he was Jewish. Uh-huh, they, they had unqualified. There was nobody there in Morocco who knew anything about movies and pictures. So when they said, Hey, we need a few extras, thousands of extras showed up. Um, the guy who was supposed to, he was the animal trainer. They sent him to go find a blue eyed mule or camel.
1: Camel. Yeah. That's f- such a good tasty nugget.
0: Oh, well, I guess we'll stay here for the tasty nuggets then. Yeah, you have to wait on the blue-eyed camera. Okay, we'll wait on that. Um, So there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened in the production. Um, Elaine May, the desert did not... She did not like the desert. She often would... They report that she wore huge sunglasses, her head wrapped up in white gauze. She was always under um, an umbrella or something. They said she kind of looked like a stormtrooper she and warren Beatty would kind of get into it and then dustin hoffman would have to be the intermediate the mediator and then she and the director of photography who this guy's a bona fide director of photography they would get into it over composition because you know i don't know if you know this but those movies that i lifted listed off were all vituro Those were not comedies. (laughs) So he's used to doing a composition for, you know, the last Tango in Paris and Apocalypse Now. And Elaine May says, I want comedy. I need you to put the camera here. So they got into it. And then it would go to, um, then that would kind of go to Warren Beatty because he was the producer. And Warren Beatty would kind of side with the director of photography because that guy is like, I mean, he is based on his credentials, you know he knows a little bit about what he's talking about and then elaine may felt like it was these two guys you know teaming up on her and this was supposed to be her chance to do kind of you know it was her vision so there was those issues and then um stuff would happen where like a camera would break down and you would have to instead of just shipping it they didn't want to ship it cuz they didn't want it to get lost so somebody would actually physically have to go and take it and that meant all their airfare their hotel stays that all went to the production costs so pretty soon production costs are mounting and mounting and the guy who they went to before he ends up getting fired and they bring this other guy in and this other guy that they bring in i think his name was David Putnam he notoriously he hated the bloated Hollywood budgets just right off the bat he was one of those guys like you don't need all this money to do it and he also notoriously hated Warren Beatty because Warren Beatty was famous for taking a whole bunch of shots you know really taking a whole bunch of time not really caring too much about the money that he's burning through because he's an artist and it's about the art and stuff and this guy is like we have we have shareholders we have to answer to um, so you can have your art, but you can do it on a budget too. So then the, everyone thinks that this is the guy because he hated baby so much, who started spreading all the leaking all the stuff about the troubled on the set and all this stuff and how it was burning through all of this money and stuff. And so eventually, after the movie gets released, um, Coca-Cola, said, man, we just spent a whole bunch of money that we did not mean to, and we didn't make any of it back. You know what? We're we're getting out of this entertainment business. So they ended up selling Columbia Pictures to Sony
1: Pictures. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah.
0: Like two years later. And the term movie jail, that originated from Elaine May in this movie and it meant when a director brings in a movie that's such a flop that they're put in movie jail meaning that they they're not allowed to direct another movie for x amount of years
1: and and, s- and Warren Beatty did it because he was trying to give her a gift yeah
0: he was trying like that that was his intention and there was just a whole bunch of things that were yeah. out of their control that ended up happening
1: right. it's like a perfect storm mm-hmm. that just yeah. and and then they said well he could take it over but he didn't want to be the person at the end who was directing it and yeah
0: well he yeah. didn't want to take it over because he had He has set himself up as being the guy in Hollywood who was standing up for this woman. He said, hey, women, not only do I bed you, every single one of you, (laughs) but I also believe that you're more than your bodies and you have beautiful minds. And I think that you have talent. And it's a real shame how in Hollywood they'll only let one of you all direct a movie. And so he he did. So, you know, he's out there fighting that fight. He didn't want to then be the guy that fired the woman.
1: Exactly.
0: And went to, on to direct it. So he was just, you know, in a in a bit of a pinch. And then he had already had the uh the reputation because of his other movies, Reds and stuff. And so when all this stuff started leaking out about it, Warren Beatty took it personally because he's producing this film. And that made him fight. I mean, the, ed- the post-production of this movie, too. So they-, they finally finished filming everything. And then they had each one of them, Beatty, May, and Hoffman, each had their own editing teams putting it together.
1: So that each of them looked the best
0: yeah. they could look
1: with the finished product. Yeah.
0: And, and so then they had to find... And, you know, Beatty's kind of trying to get his girlfriend more shine. And everybody is kind of having their own agendas on it and stuff. And it was going to be released at Christmas of 86. But then that got pushed back. And so they had three screenings of it. And the screenings went amazing and fantastic. But by the time the people heard about it... Oh, and so then... They thought initially Columbia did that it was going to be a flop. So instead of just you know putting it on a few theaters and just biting their losses, Columbia decided to double down. I, I guess this was Coca Cola, you know mm. you know how when they have a product. I mean, yeah, I know you have vanilla Coke now. Orange vanilla Coke is a thing. I know Coca Cola. You know when they have a new product, they got to get that out in their marketing budget. And they said, "No, we're not doubling down. We're going all out on an all-out blitz. We're going to spend so much money on this movie, so it gets marketed. And everybody's heard that it that this movie stinks. And because of all the stuff of ha- of like having to go over and shoot in Morocco, all of these different delays and things that happened and um, different stuff." The, the original budget, I think, was, what, $25 million? Well, the original budget was $27.5 million. And then it ended up costing twice that.
1: Because at the end, there were 108 hours of raw footage that was cut down to one hour and 47 minutes.
0: Right. But see, that's something that I'll get to in my reheatables, that okay. specific thing. So, yeah, by the time that people, and you said it earlier, you didn't even know anything about it, except that it was awful. Because,
1: yeah, we had just heard it's it's horrible. Don't even waste your mm-hmm. time going to see it. The
0: critics go into it. They've heard about all the stuff on here. And they're kind of the it, you know, already their arms are crossed. This movie cost how much? Well, let me see it. And that it's not like Titanic when you go to see Titanic and you say, yeah, I can see where they spent the money. The money's on screen. This unfortunately, the budget for this movie didn't really end up on screen. Right. It's not that it looks bad or anything. It's just it doesn't look like
1: it costs that that much. much money.
0: Yeah. So then the critics said, "Nah, this isn't very good. And then, people and nobody really went to see it. I think it made, like, $9.5 million in its opening weekend. It came in number one, but it opened against nothing. It was nothing. number
1: one its opening weekend, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: But it opened against nothing. I mean, that tells you how times have changed, because now, every May weekend, a movie is coming out. Um, but... It didn't make that much money. And then it just became shorthand for a flop because everybody just believed that it was horrible. I believed that. I had never seen it before. But I knew it. Ishtar, I'm like, that, that movie is the worst movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. It's not the best movie of all time by any means. No. But it is not the worst movie of all time. It no. does not deserve a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. And
1: when I actually truly laugh out loud, That, I mean, I can watch a movie and thoroughly enjoy it and never once laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. I laughed out loud at a couple of of the lines in this. Multiple times. Okay, so reheatables. Are you ready or you have more uh, Nerd Alerts?
0: I think the rest of my Nerd Alerts will go in Tasty
1: Nuggets. Excellent. Okay, my worst reheatable. Mm Mm-hmm. Warren Beatty's Texas accent.
0: Oh, I wondered about that because I couldn't figure it it out.
1: Sometimes it didn't.
0: Yeah, that is legit. Yeah, that is a legitimate thing. Because at one time he did say, and I said, why did he say it like that? Has he been talking in an accent this whole time? Yeah. He,
1: He tried a little bit, but then it was just so noticeable when he did it. It was like when they were in the desert, and they were trying to negotiate for water, and then the the big war happened or something. Yeah, he he was using it there, but then other times it there it was it it was not even close. Oh man, that's true. Oh, I forgot about that.
0: All right, my worst reheatable is how Elaine May was treated. Yeah. And just the and and really everyone associated with this, actually how this movie was treated, but specifically her, because I was reading this article, and it's not just this guy, but there are certain directors, but it's specifically named this French director Robert Bosin, who often would do fifty plus takes of each oh. scene, so that because after by the fiftieth take then the actor has done it so many times that they kind of drop all their pretenses and they get a natural performance. He's not the only one that's done that. When we talked about The Shining, Kubrick was notorious for doing take after take after take and to get that performance down. And Elaine May did the same thing to until it gets this natural. But these guys, Kubrick, this French guy, they were never maligned by it. They were right. never um it was never used against them and held against them. You know, they never took flack for any of that stuff. But this movie, it's all crazy Elaine May.
1: Mm-hmm. That's female. She must be on her period. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she doesn't know how to A typical woman. She doesn't can't make up her mind. She doesn't know. Oh, she probably maybe she even like Um, raised her voice once and look at her she's hysterical
1: that's right demanding bitch Mm. doesn't she know her place okay well I have three best reheatables okay my first one is Reeboks Reeboks come on Reeboks they both wore Reeboks oh I didn't notice that oh the 80s and Reeboks
0: yeah. I mean, I know the 80s and in, in Reeboks. Yeah.
1: Um And then when they were in the desert and the helicopter came and was shooting at them, mm-hmm. the Bob and Weave. <laughs> Erin yeah, and do. I did that when, when the sniper was in D.C. Yeah. <laughs> we would go places and Bob and Weave.
0: We would go Serpentine! <laughs> we went, you should you should see the two. We were just running around in circles, <laughs> ziggy and zaggy. We're like, it's really hard to shoot movie targets, guys!
1: <laughs> and that's what Warren Beatty was yelling to Dustin Hoffman. Don't stand still. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that was funny. I didn't notice that and that didn't make me laugh.
1: And then in that scene, when Sheera comes, Shira was the shit. Shira knew how to use oh, yeah. every one of those weapons. Yeah. Yeah, the female with blue eyes knew how to come in and And that was a worst reheatable that the that, that the woman who was trying to be the leftist was pretty blue-eyed and
0: <laughs> well I mean that's a war. You, yeah he's just okay. like there's a there's a film role for a female, and he's dating this woman. Is that's, he gonna that's say?
1: Exactly what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess they didn't have brown contacts at the time. And so, there are okay. there are blue eyed. Um, of course there people are. Of, yeah. Of course there are. Not but a... you're looking for a strong female person here, and of course she had to be pretty white with uh, blue eyes. But moving on. Oh,
0: yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true. Okay, my we're we're doing our best. Yes, Um. So, let's see. Um. Oh well, I already said it. I just love how they were the how bad the songs were. <laughs> I got songs were I got so some bad. of the melodies stuck in my head, but just I just loved.
1: You know, the melodies weren't bad.
0: I, yeah, I mean, that's uh Paul. What's his face? I, they, Elaine May did a lot of the lyrics, and she works a lot with Paul Williams and Nerd Alert for their songs. Another reason why they, that the movie costs so much is Elaine May preferred for Paul Williams to write whole songs complete songs and then oh, for warren beatty
1: part of them yeah
0: even though they were going to perform part of them she wanted the oh. whole song and she wanted warren beatty and dustin hoffman to perform and practice the whole songs
1: <laughs> because it was hysterical yeah it's it's oh pretty great my god when they're doing their shtick up there the gimmick show wow oh. And they they pull the microphone down, and then the other one runs into the microphone. Oh my God! Yeah.
0: Um. The the, like any Elaine May script, the one liners are just Mm -hmm. hilarious. Like at one point, Warren Beatty is he has to go find a guy named Muhammad, and he goes to the first guy, and he's like, he goes Muhammad, and the guy steps up, and he's like, "You're kidding, you're Muhammad." First time I hit
1: a home run, <laughs> but everybody, everybody there at the, at the yeah. Camel warehouse turned around when he said Mohammed. it's just,
0: there's just so um, many things that it's just like his whole schmuck and smuck. Yep. Oh it's, yes. It's not, sh- it's not they smuck. Sh- they sh an Now put it That's together. Real what fast. it's like
1: to teach phonics to children. Say shh, say muck. Now put them together. Smuck. Where'd the shh go?
0: Yeah, there was another line. He was he goes, you're old, you're white. Oh, this is the um their the agent. agent. He's like, you're old, you're white, you got no gimmick. Exactly.
1: That's what a... do you what do you think you can do here?
0: Yeah, it was just hilarious. Um, so that and then I mean it's a great reheatable because it's just so true. It was just the CIA being up yeah. in everyone's business.
1: Yeah.
0: Being CIA. Just the yeah. CIA just doing CIA things. So
1: Thanks yep. for the crack
0: epidemic, CIA.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just, okay, so we just need to eliminate these two Americans. So we're just going to have the CIA shooting at them, but we're going to say no, that never
0: happened. Yeah, and then it gets turned on them, and the CIA ends up having to spend government money. Well, that's that would be ruining the end of it. But the CIA, Elaine May gets the CIA back.
1: She does. She does indeed. Okay, were those all your reheatables? Yes. Okay, MVPs. I didn't write down anything for MVP because there wasn't one most valuable moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already said it that their rapport with each other was just perfect. I mean, Dustin Hoffman being the stud and Warren Beatty being the schmuck. That that's my MVP.
0: Yes. I have my honorable mention MVP goes to <laughs> Warren Beatty. At one point in the beginning of the movie, um, when they're going into the bar and being sad, he's wearing, what are those German hats?
1: Oh, oh but it's, it's But it's fur. Either.
0: It's the same kind yes. of like old-timey German hat, but it's all made out of a fur. Yeah. And I was like, "What is that?" And it's just standing on top of his head and he's all already way taller than Dustin Hoffman.
1: Cuz it's not a fedora because no. the brim of it is smaller than a fedora.
0: But it's the ger- it's the it German hat. Like the- it's when Poppy took us to, took my brother and myself to the Oktoberfest. Yeah. And he goes in and it's packed. There's not a seat anywhere. And we go into the tent and Poppy takes us. He's like, come on, guys. So we go out and Ma wasn't around. And I was working. Oh, you were working. And he when we were with him, he wasn't like, Mr., you know, what do you guys want? Gonna get trinkets. Like this, this felt like a military operation, this going to Oktoberfest. So he comes out. It's a
1: Tyrolean hat.
0: And yeah, he goes and he gets, he buys my brother and myself a Tyrolian hat. He puts it on us and then he walks us back into the tent. And then the Germans, they see us with it, the hats on. And it was like the Red Sea just parted. And all of a sudden we had a place to sit in the bench and stuff. Because we were wearing these like, (laughs) these little German hats that he bought us. And those are the hats, except they weren't, they were made out of like, they weren't made out of that. They were felt. Yeah, but Warren Beatty's was fur and that yeah. made me laugh. Oh, just it was yeah. hilarious.
1: His headgear was interesting. He had great
0: headgear. Yeah. So that was my honorable mention. My second favorite MVP. I already said it, but it was when they did the Dangerous Business song on stage in their <laughs> 80s getup <laughs> that I laughed really hard. But my MVP <laughs> My MVP of this whole thing is the scene where Dustin Hoffman is singing the song, I'm leaving some love in my will. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> because the whole vamp, I love that, because I, I did the whole thing earlier, but the whole vamp up to it. then when he goes into the song and how it's a horrible song, and then it cuts to him and he's angry with Carol Kane and, but he's still in the restaurant and he's just and Carol Kane saying, I can't believe that the, all the waiters and everyone yelled at you and spit at you and all that. But he's still <laughs> at the restaurant where all of this happened, because I, I just felt that I knew his character. He, they probably owed him dinner. And even if they hated him and spit on him and just said that he was awful and fired him, he still would be there because they probably owed him a free meal. And he was
1: getting his free meal. And he was going
0: to get his free meal. And so, and just him, because he, of course it wasn't his fault. Of course it wasn't that the song sucked or anything. It was that those people that they didn't appreciate his vision and his genius.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Nobody. Well, which is kind of a metaphor for the whole movie with Elaine May. Yeah, exactly. People didn't appreciate her genius.
0: And then when Warren Beatty is the, he's just in the background. Like a guy moves and he sees the, because he sends over a letter saying, "I loved your stuff. It was genius." And Warren Beatty's in the background, and then they're on the piano and they're and they're (laughs) brainstorming, and it's awful. And you just think to yourself, these guys are
1: idiots but they're so funny and their wives are sitting there going oh my god Mm,
0: their wives are just i'm leaving
1: yeah
0: (laughs) this this is going nowhere
1: yeah he was doing much better as an ice cream cone sales but
0: even that was funny because he wasn't because he had he was just trying to rhyme words trying to write (laughs)
1: it was all about the rhyme yeah, it
0: was all about the rhyme and there he's got a little melody and i it's just as someone who has written some songs i was <laughs> i just loved it because that is how it is and you're just like oh, yeah that's, that's great and it's like no it's not <laughs> it this is better than purple rain
1: <laughs> what rhymes with nativity
0: oh sensitivity Okay, are you ready for
1: recasting? Oh, I am.
0: I've okay. got two
1: casts. I have one cast. Okay. I took it in a little different direction as we tend to do. I wonder if you took it in the direction I took it in. So um, we know that Lyle and Destin have to have a great camaraderie and a great uh, comic rhythm together. Mm-hmm. So my Lyle is Cameron Diaz. Oh, and my Dustin is Drew Barrymore. I could see that. So Shira had to be a male. That well it didn't have to be, mm-hmm. but for the sake of this, I made Shira a male. So I made Shira because Shira was always really serious. I mm-hmm. mean, Shira was not involved in the comedy at all. No. Um, I mean, except for them finding out that Shira was a woman, but but she, her character was totally serious. Mm-hmm. So I went with Sam Rockwell.
0: Oh, so you basically did Charlie's Angels. Oh, was he in, in Charlie's <laughs> Angels too? I think he was Shit. in the. So I think he was in the first
1: one. Okay, well this one isn't my Jim Harrison, mm-hmm. the CIA agent. Mm-hmm. Benicio Del Toro. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Nice.
0: All right. I have my first cast. I have as Chuck Clark, Matt Damon.
1: I thought of Matt Damon. I did.
0: And I hear he's in a bit of a bromance. So I cast his new BFF as Lyle Rogers, Chris Hemsworth.
1: What? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. That would be hysterical that all the women would go for Matt Damon and not Chris Ellensworth. Exactly.
0: And then for the CIA agent, I cast Bill Hader.
1: Moment of silence, please. I love me some Bill Hader.
0: (laughs) And then for the woman, for Shira, I casted Kate Blanchett.
1: I thought of Kate too, after Ocean's... eight or whatever because she can be a comedic actress she can she can do
0: that that deadpan comedy pretty well i think yes Yes. Where she's not trying to be funny but she's funny but she's being serious yes yes and then for my second cast you know we always like to shake it up here and gone with the bushes multiculturally. but so this movie came out in 1987
1: right yes
0: i was like I'm gonna do 1987 female cast. So in, so it's in 19. i I had to go put on my my time machine hat and go back in the 1987 and the stars who were big then, their 1987 selves. And I might be okay. off in my in my, you know, don't quote me on this or anything. But this is just how I remember 1987 as a seven year old. So, as Chuck, who is the Dustin Hoffman character, I cast Whoopi Goldberg.
1: Oh.
0: Right? As Lyle, the Warren Beatty character, my 1987 female reboot, I cast
1: Goldie Hawn. Wow. Uh huh. That would be amazing.
0: And my 1987 CIA agent, I don't know uh, what he was doing in 1987, but I'm pretty sure that he probably could have been in it for the CIA. I mean, really, it could have been just just uh, Grodin again, but yeah. I decided to go Henry Winkler. Because <laughs> I thought it would be funny to put the Fonz in there. Yeah. And then as... um. The Shira character. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, we need a guy. It's 1987. Who would be, like, the guy? And I decided to go with Tom Selleck. Yes. I like yeah. my 1980s. I think Elaine May should have done this movie with Whoopi Goldberg, it's Goldie Hawn. Henry Winkler, and Tom Selleck, yeah. and you know what? It still would have been considered a colossal flop. Yes, <laughs> it would have. It you would can't have. have that many women in it.
1: No, so. exactly.
0: They all would have been fighting because they all would have hate. That would have been the story. They all hate each other. Cat yeah. fight
1: Here. Cat fights. Women cannot get along. Oh, and then
0: they're. I mean, and they're in Morocco. It's a sandbox. You get it. There would have just been so many.
1: Oh, they're in the sandbag kitty litter, eh, cats fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I was trying to be careful not to be too Jewish with the whole, you know, North Africa thing. And I went, Dustin Hoffman, you can't be more Jewish than that. They just went with it. Yeah. Well, my tasty nuggets. Mm-hmm. Scorsese, this is one of his favorite films still.
0: Yeah, there are a lot Quentin Tarantino really Tarantino. likes it. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a
0: lot of people who it's um they go, wait, guys, there are a lot of worse movies and it's actually pretty fun. And you know, it just gives you that whole thing of critics. And critics will see a movie and they'll see the movie in the time and they'll have a reaction to it in the time. And sometimes they're everybody's kind of on the same page and stuff. And you know what? That's also you're looking at 1987. So yeah. I know that, and I do the same thing. I get so irritated. Although I try not to let it get to me as much now. But everybody call, talks about the outrage culture, how everybody is outraged over everything. And maybe it isn't necessarily that everybody's outraged over everything it's just that you can hear it now because in 1987 this movie ishtar comes out all you're hearing is what the critics say and all the critics i mean except for like handfuls of them pauline kale and stuff but most of the critics are old white guys right yeah because it's 1987 so i'm not stepping out on a ledge here so this movie did not do well with old white guys (laughs) is what the 2019 thing is. And now we hear different voices. So we hear we hear all the voices, basically. So it all does sound like noise. And it can be hard because you think that everybody is angry at everything all the time. But it's not necessarily that everybody's angry at everything all the time. It's just we're hearing it now. Do we still have the same amount of outrage in 1987 as we do now? It's just you didn't hear the voices. And now you can hear it.
1: Yep. That's true. That's why we bring it to you, people. Are those? I'm going to let you tell the story of the blue-eyed camel because it's a great story.
0: Okay. So, the blue-eyed camel. They, they wanted a blue-eyed camel. And they tell
1: the... The
0: animal trainer go because the out.
1: camel had to be blind. Oh
0: yeah, and they tell the guy, "All right, go out and get a blue-eyed camel." So the guy comes up, much like the Muhammad scene, and the first camel he comes across happens to be a blue-eyed camel. So he's uh, says, "Oh well, wow, all right." how much do you want? The guy says it and he says, well, let me go. Cause this is the first camel that I came across in Morocco. Why don't I go around and look at some other camels? And that way I can come back and barter. Except he didn't know that blue eyed camels are extremely rare. So he's going around looking around and he can't find any more blue eyed camels. He, he's like, they're excuse me, they're what? Yeah, they're really rare, guy. So he races back to try to find the original blue-eyed camel. He goes, he finds the owner of it, says about about your blue-eyed camel. How much? Guy says, "Ah, uh, sorry. I ate him.
1: He's in my belly. He is in my belly." <laughs> so, that's pretty much how the movie went. Uh huh. Um, well, I did have that. Uh, Warren and Dustin both made five mil on. They were paid five mil, so well, nobody's crying for them.
0: I have that their that the three of them made twelve point five million dollars at the time. Not each, but total. That that's how much they were given, and that that translated to. $30.1 million dollars in 2018 money. Wow. So
1: I guess divide that by,
0: well, we're not dividing that by three. Cause I would imply that Elaine may got,
1: <laughs> got an equal cut. Yeah. You know, she didn't get an equal cut, even
0: though she wrote and directed it. I'm pretty sure she, she probably made less than Warren yeah, Beatty. She got the two of mil
1: office. and both of them got five mil, mm-hmm.
0: but apparently they were fine. The studio was fine with that because they had cut a deal with HBO And that deal with HBO took care of their salaries, so I mean they made they made a nice mint off of this. Um. Let's see. So, yeah, that and Beatty and Hoffman both liked the final cut of the film. Um. I think it ended up getting, where it said like three raspberries and stuff for the worst movie ever. Yeah, and whatever
1: that tasty puddings thing is for the mm-hmm. worst movie or whatever.
0: But people, and we mentioned it last week that the that Larson guy, he Gary Trudeau, he was on the plane and uh, he had a video store in hell and it was all Ishtar copies and he had never seen Ishtar. Then he was on a plane and he was actually. He actually saw and was actually entertained by it, so he wrote an apology for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was the other thing? Oh, Elaine May has her famous quote of saying that if she had a dollar for everyone who hates Ishtar, who has never seen the movie, I think is the quote, then she would be a rich lady basically implying that people hate the film and they've never even seen it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those movies that it just, it was just a runaway production. And it's just such a shame that she hasn't made a movie because the last thing that, so she made this and it was such a, uh, I mean, derided and people didn't like it and stuff. And so she was in movie jail. But even though she was in movie jail, Guess who people would still go to and give money to for her to rewrite their script but not get any credit for it? I mean not she got get, paid. Yet.
1: Un un what's it uncredited. called? Uncredited.
0: Uncredited. But she she got paid, so she is living a fantastic life, I'm sure. But they always went to her. Go to Elaine May. And and then the her first thing that she did after this, like big bona fide thing, was just a little movie called The Birdcage. Yes. Which is a classic and yes she was at least i don't know if she won the oscar for it but i know she was nominated for the oscar for that and that's on everybody's list of best comedies of all time
1: that was hysterical
0: so it's just yeah she's elaine fucking may people
1: in fact i'm adding the birdcage to our list at this moment it that's a good idea yes so I think that's, I mean, there's a whole
0: bunch of other articles and things because now people are going back and they're actually watching the movie and you have people like Scorsese and Tarantino going, no, this is a hilarious film. And it's one of those things that people are starting to take in a different look, much like Orson Welles, The Magnificent Ambersons, how people pan that, and derided that, and then now people are singing its praises and saying it's revolutionary. Look at this. So I thought this movie much like a new leaf, this movie made me laugh out loud. And not like not just <laughs> belly laughing out loud. Smack it
1: feels sm- really good.
0: Smacked my knee and pointed at the TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> you got that one, Elaine. Ah, you got it right there, and and oh, just a lot of the and the what makes the line so great is that they 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 are reheatables. They stand up. They still up.
1: Translate. They today. still
0: translate because they're yeah. true. And I really like when I was thinking about the uh, least reheatable. There wasn't. I mean, maybe you could do a stretch and say that the scene where Dustin Hoffman, um gets mistaken as a translator for the CIA auction thing going on and he doesn't speak the language and so he just kind of has to pretend like he speaks the language yeah. but even that i'm sure that it's problematic but it's not it's one of those things where the joke isn't that it, they're like the, the culture isn't being isn't being made fun of
1: it's the, not joke. The, blood of the joke, yeah. Right. The
0: joke is this guy is in serious trouble, and he needs to figure out a way to get out of it. And he knows that, that the people that he's trying to to not get killed by, they don't speak the language, so he's just trying to to appease. And he's not. They aren't. I didn't really feel on a whole that the people of Northern Morocco were being made fun of or at the butt of jokes and stuff.
1: No, I felt like he was the butt of the joke. Yeah, he, he was speak the idiot. language, And so he was just floundering and doing what he could to try to get by.
0: Uh-huh. It was kind of, look at this dumb American.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Which, he, he was the schmuck.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Or, or smuck. the smuck.
0: He was the smuck.
1: <laughs> so
0: to all the people who are wringing their hands and not sure how com- where comedy is gonna go because you can't get away with anything you can't say anything comedy is dead no it just means you gotta work a little harder and maybe be better at your job right it may, you know maybe maybe really craft some jokes because comedy is going nowhere you might not be going anywhere but true yes. comics true. and people who have talent can can still make people laugh and not at the expense
1: of and not cringe, yes, yeah, at the expense of others, mm-hmm. yes.
0: Because I mean, Elaine May's doing this stuff. She's doing this stuff in the seventies. She's doing this stuff in nineteen eighty-seven. She's doing this stuff in in the birdcage. You know, I bet the birdcage has probably aged really well, and there's not too many cringe-worthy. Like, oh, ew, that's not going to age well.
1: Well, we'll have to watch it and see. We will, yeah. And we'll have to put on our woke glasses when we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ain't easy being this woke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, I let a lot, of, a lot of a lot, of stuff go. So I've been getting into the, the a new earth again with Oprah and Eckhart Tolle and revisiting Eckhart. that stuff. And you're just like, uh, a small person would get caught up in this. But I am. And I am all that that implies.
1: So... So yes, so Eckhart, I, w- I will not let my ego rule me. Yes,
0: I will I will observe it cracking and calling peop motherfuckers
1: out, but that's not me. And then <laughs> say I understand that that was my ego. You stupid motherfucker. <laughs> oh
0: man, my ego is on one today, but the real me is in the back like popping eating some popcorn cuz yes. in that realm you are allowed to have popcorn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Everything is on the program.
0: Everything. It's like I love it here.
1: <laughs> okay, so next week, Erin?
0: All right. Well, I wanted to keep this Elaine May party going with the Heartbreak Kid. But I was unable to find it on iTunes. Uh,
1: well, what does that tell you? For rent. And I was like, ooh. Okay. Uh,
0: it, apparently, it's on YouTube, but I was not able to vet it. So I didn't want to commit to that. Okay. And I feel as though between the birdcage and the heartbreak kid um, and heaven can wait we have enough for an Elaine May appreciation month at a later date
1: I think we do and we need to find out when her birthday is and do that mm-hmm. no because we're gonna Oh because yeah, she's still alive Mays. so we can't do the Paul Newman <laughs> September because <laughs> That's we neat. still have a lot of Paul Newman's to do.
0: Yeah, but remember the whole thing was Paul yeah, Newman appreciation. January,
1: his birthday is the same as
0: mine. Yeah, but we do it in September because I know I misread it and thought that he was born in September, but that was when I, he passed away. Understood. So now we're just but committed to the bit, and we are because you know around September time. Yeah,
1: need some Paul Newman.
0: Hey, going back to people going back to school and stuff. It's the That's fall. What I'm it's the perfect time for
1: Paul Newman. It is. So. Okay, but this is not Paul Newman, so what will it be? It's
0: not. So, FX has a series coming out that I'm very excited about.
1: Oh, FX, this scares me.
0: Because it's a (laughs) biopic-type series about a man that I really know little about, but I did make my mom laugh for a phase that I went through. I could make her laugh by by imitating this man that I know so little about. And so is I is he I'm Scottish? Not, I don't know what he is. I think he's American, but he is a famous choreographer. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. And jazz hands. Yes. Bob Fosse. Remember when I was in my Fossey phase?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I, oh would, my make God. You, I
0: would I don't even know who Bob Fossey was, but I would just pr- try to do these moves and you would be like
1: peeing in your pants. But it seems like now, as I remember this, which probably isn't the case, but I remember you being in a full on black leotard, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just jumping into my room, being Fossey. Yeah, because
0: I thought that that... Yeah, I don't know. I know enough to be like, that's Bob Fosse, but I knew nothing of it. (laughs) And on FX, they're having Sam Rockwell is Bob Fosse. What? Yes, it's coming out April 7th. It's called Fosse Verdon. Verdon? V-E-R? V-E-R-D-O-N. The actress that he was with, and I think Michelle... Who's a really good actress. She was married to Heath Ledger.
1: (gasps) Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, She
0: she plays her in the movie. Michelle Williams. That's her name? Williams? Yeah. So, I'm very excited because you know I love a biopic and it's a series. And I'm like, well, we got to do a Fosse movie. So, I picked 1972's Cabaret. (gasps) Because it's also got Liza Minnelli in it.
1: Wow. I have to tell you how do you even spell cabaret c a b a r e t a r e t <laughs> that's 3 years of french in high school wasted um i've
0: never seen it i've never seen it either and so i was looking was i going to do all that jazz was I going to do Sweet Charity? Was I going to do... And then it's just 1972 Cabaret. It's got Liza
1: Minnelli. And Joel Gray. Yeah. At, at the height of Joel Grayness.
0: Yeah, and it was directed by Bob Fosse.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, this is totally out of left field. It's like I just got hit in the head by a baseball.
0: Well, it was between All That Jazz and Cabaret. And I just wanted to go with something older. Well, we'll probably my next pick will probably end up being uh, All That Jazz, depending on how this Fosse-Verdin show is. But yeah, I'm very excited for it. All right. And I was just like, you know what? I need to, I need to watch a little bit of Bob Fosse, I think, to get into this Fosse- get back into my fossey mojo everybody Uh, jazz hands
1: she's she's gonna get her (laughs) leotard and her tights out and
0: honestly i've been doing yoga and i've really been stretching out my hips and stuff so i think that i might be able to to really bust out some fossey poses in may when you come to visit it may be full-on fossey all the
1: time because listeners at the time that Aaron was doing fossey it it was pre basketball probably. No, there is no pre
0: basket. I mean, pre basketball is I mean, like Germany. Pre, pre uh,
1: every every time every every basketball season, you would really slim down from all the workouts. Well, yeah, I'm uh, this was before plant paradox and your. Um, Sean T and your well your whole
0: yeah this living was being
1: yeah before
0: exercise and knowing
1: yeah. what carbs are so i'm just gonna tell you that Aaron in a leotard was something to behold are you are your body shaming me on my own podcast I, I loved every moment of it yeah i was a bit would, i was a bit like kevin james where
0: you're you're like huh <laughs> I didn't know all of that could move that gracefully.
1: She would jump into my bedroom and full on. Now, there was the time of the black leotard. I'm thinking of the gray. I don't even remember, remember the gray leotard?
0: leotards. And what house are we talking Berwick Court? Because I wouldn't have known who Bob Fosse is. Don't confuse Bob Fosse with my cat in the hat,
1: period. I guess I am going with the, with your um, Batman. Because I had to dye your leotards gray so you could wear them as Batman for Halloween. Yeah, well, that's
0: Berwick Court. So you're getting into Cat in the Hat, which, truth be told, Cat in the Hat was, I mean, Fossey was the direct descendant of Cat in the Hat.
1: Yes, but uh, Cat in the Hat was you on just raw talent, not even knowing about Fosse. I have no idea who this Bob Fossey was. And then Um, she would sweat like like, (laughs) it was a performance. (laughs) You ain't doing her cat in the hat routine. I. It was a lot like these dudes in Ishtar. It was indeed. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I'm the cat in the hat. The greatest, the greatest. (laughs) My God, she bounced all over that, that orange shag carpet. Mm, But Uh,
0: nimble. You wouldn't think a child that rotund could be so nimble.
1: (laughs) But she was i tell you oh i not flexible it. nimble yeah nimble because flexible we ain't. no okay cabaret wow mm-hmm. totally didn't I, you could have made a lot of money on that well
0: yeah of course you're not in my brain I'm like today. Yeah. I saw I saw a bus go by with Fosse. I'm like, it's coming soon. (laughs) I gotta get on this.
1: Excellent. Well, I am excited. Okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) Okay, listeners. Bye-bye.